Today you'll meet Sam Katz. She was born in Argentina and raised in Canada. She's got 12 years of experience as a photographer and a videographer. Sam has a bachelor's degree in film, a diploma in professional photography, and she also has certifications in coaching and business foundations. She's worked all over the world with hundreds of clients in fashion, travel, and portraiture, and currently she lives in Bali in Indonesia. Sam has taught photography in six different countries and now leads online programs to support photographers in their business, marketing, and sales strategies. You're listening to Sustainable Photography, where you get support and education to build your profitable business in a way that supports your way of living. I'm Ingvild Kolnes, and after 11 years as a photographer, I want to share what I've learned with you. So if you're looking for confidence, inspiration, and to-the-point tips, keep listening. For full transparency, I also want you to know that I'm a mentor with paid offers, and I might mention some of those in this episode. Hi, Sam, and welcome so much to the podcast. I'm so excited to meet you. So excited to meet you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat. Yeah, I'd love to know more about you and your background, just who you are and how you ended up as a photographer and an educator. And how are you living in Bali? Okay, I'm going to try to give you the condensed version. I was born and raised in Buenos Aires, Argentina. When I was 16, my parents decided to immigrate to Canada. We moved to a small city called Winnipeg. And it was quite difficult for me. I didn't speak any English. I didn't know anyone. And I was kind of ripped away from, you know, the places and the people and the things I love. So it was quite a hard transition, which obviously now I look back and I'm so grateful for everything in my life that brought me to where I am today. But at the time, one of the things that it did for me was kind of awaken this need to explore and understand different cultures and and it kind of started my passion for travel. When you move somewhere so different than where you grew up, it just kind of opens your mind and it makes you realize there's so much more out there that I don't know. So that's what got me interested in travel. And on my first trip to Europe at the age of 19, I brought a little point and shoot camera that my dad borrowed me. And I fell in love with telling stories and capturing moments at the same time that I fell in love with traveling. So they kind of became my biggest passions at the same time. By the time I went back to Canada, I saved up money, bought myself my first DSLR and taught myself how to use it. And I just loved doing that. For about a year, I was self-taught. And around that time, I was finishing high school and entering university and I studied filmmaking. So I actually have a Bachelor of Arts in film. But as I was doing film, if you can picture this, you know, 2008, 2009, if you can picture back then, you couldn't make films like you do today. You couldn't create a a short on a phone or on an SLR. It required really expensive and inaccessible equipment. So it was very difficult for me to create on my own. Like I didn't have the tools and the resources to make and to work. So photography slowly started taking over because I just kind of had this independent feeling that me and my camera could just do whatever. And somewhere along the lines there, I started kind of studying editing and lighting, taking secondary classes. And then, yeah, somehow I started getting my first couple of paid gigs And that was mind-blowing. I remember my very first paid gig, it was maybe like a half-day shoot. And I handed over all the raws and I got paid about $150. And I thought I had just touched heaven. (laughs) I could not (laughs) believe it. I was Mm -hmm. like, 
what do you mean people are going to pay me to take pictures? This is insane. That was the first moment when I realized that it could be possible. So then when I finished film school, I actually went into photography school. I figured if I wanted to charge people money to take photos, I wanted to know everything there was to know. And I wanted to feel in control. That's very much my personality. I'm like, I need to know everything. So I went to photography school. And by the time I finished that, I had gotten a full-time job as an in-house photographer for a fashion company. And I hated it. I hated the nine to five. I worked, everyone was like, you made it. Good job. You got one photography job with benefits and with holidays and, you know, security. And I was miserable. I worked there for a year and a half. I was dead inside. Like I could not do it. I couldn't picture the rest of my life waking up at 8 a.m., going to work, coming home at five and like that being my life. And there's a lot of a struggle because there's that fear, right? And people that are not entrepreneurs don't see it and, and don't quite understand. And although my parents have always been very supportive, they wanted the sure thing. They wanted me to have the job and the benefits and the holidays. And, you know, I did that for about a year and a half, like I said, and I had to quit. I couldn't do it anymore. And, you know, I remember my boss at the time saying, Sam, everyone does this. Everyone works nine to five. Everyone takes a two weeks holiday a year. That's what people do. You're just going to have to get used to it and do it. And I was just like, if that's the life, I don't want it. I kind of had this feeling that there had to be something more. So I quit the job and I told myself I was going to try freelancing. I gave myself a six month plan. Like I had some savings and I knew I could last six months without making enough income and try it out. But when you pull the rug from down under your feet, you're like, well, this has to work. There's no other choice. So that's how it started. And it's been actually to the date, 10 years of me quitting my last ever full-time job and never looking back. I've ever since made more money, traveled the world, been happier. And now I'm living the life I've always dreamed, uh, which wasn't obviously like an overnight success type of thing, but you know, it, it gradually changed from... First, I wanted to just be able to support myself with photography. Then I wanted to be able to do the kind of work that really fired me up. Then I wanted to be able to say no to jobs that I didn't like. Then I wanted to raise my rates. And then all of a sudden I was like, I want to travel the world. And I want to shoot fashion and I want to shoot entrepreneurs and I don't want to do events anymore. And, you know, today I am full on living the life of my dreams. And I get just to keep short the transition into coaching and supporting other photographers. I started shooting and working for a retreat company a few years ago. It was a travel retreat company. I would go with them. I would teach people how to use their camera. And I would also be the photographer and videographer for their retreat. And I found teaching and coaching so rewarding. And I always kind of had it in the back of my head that I wanted to do that. Mm -hmm. And then the pandemic hit. <laughs> All of my jobs got canceled. I found myself stuck in Canada without being able to work. And I was like, well, now or never. I got nothing to lose. This is the moment to try it and to start. And I found myself in a whole new role where I was enjoying being able to share everything, all of my mistakes and all of my lessons and all the things that I learned along the way, realizing that it could serve a greater purpose than just booking me jobs. I could actually help people see an opportunity to leave behind the jobs they hated or take the chance or try something else. And it's been the most rewarding year and a half to two years of doing this. So yeah. Yeah. I think it's 
a little bit strange how similar our stories are. Like when you're telling me about your journey, it's like, yep, that happened to me. Yep, that's what I did. Yep, okay. So we did the same thing there. Yeah, that's really interesting. Having grown up in different parts of the world and still like doing so many of the similar things. But obviously you've made it to a very good place in your life. You've had a lot happen to you. And I'm sure you must have had some thoughts going through your head about sustainability, about making your business last. And I'm curious about what you think it takes to run a successful and sustainable photography business. Oh, I love that. There's a lot of things. For me, something that I've discovered in the last uh, couple of years of coaching and supporting new photographers, I realized how much the mindset is so important to create a positive work environment and a sustainable work environment. Surrounding yourself with people that have done it, with people that show you the way, with people that tell you that what you want is possible, all of a sudden makes it possible. This for me was one of the reasons why moving to Bali was so important. I was coming back and forth a lot. And every time I was here, I would dream things up and they would happen. I would meet people that show me that it was possible. Where I spent so many years in Canada feeling very lonely, feeling like I was the only one. Um, I remember, you know, I would work and travel a lot. So I would book all my clients together And it took me a while to get there. Right at the beginning, I was so afraid that if I went on a trip, my clients wouldn't book me and they would book someone else and then I would lose the job. And, you know, we can go into the whole scarcity mindset side of it and and what that matters as well. But once I made that shift and I was like, you know what? I can and I will. And I started traveling and then I started packing all my clients together. So I would come home and shoot for an entire month and then take off for a month or two. And at the beginning, a lot of clients would be like, oh, you're going on holidays again, must be nice. And there was a lot of guilt for me. And there was a lot of struggle with that until I made the switch to be like, actually, I'm not traveling. This is my lifestyle or I'm not on holidays. I'm traveling. I'm flying out to places. I'm creating content. I'm getting inspired. I am creating a lifestyle that is what I want. And if you want to book me, these are the peers that are available. And it's an exclusivity thing. And by me changing the story and believing that what I was doing, there was nothing wrong with what I was doing, that I didn't have to serve this idea of the nine to five, that I didn't have to justify my lifestyle to my clients. All of a sudden, I started seeing the change where clients were like, oh my God, please book me. And when you're back in town, I started raising my rates to create more of that exclusivity and people kept coming back. I was just home for a week and I booked five of my old clients because I just reached out and said, hey, I'm coming home for... 10 days. I only have a few slots. Do you want in? And people were like, oh my God, yes. So I think realizing that what makes your business is you, that as much research and competitive analysis that you do, your prices are whatever your clients are willing to pay. And that the worthiness of that price point is the experience and is giving somebody a solution to a problem and giving somebody exactly what they want. I've had so many people in my career book me from referrals that hadn't even worked with me or book me because they heard of me and they didn't even look at my portfolio. I mean, I used to book weddings. I didn't even have a wedding portfolio up. They didn't care. Mm -hmm. So it, it sadly, it took me so long to get to that place where I was confident and had the self-worth. But that now looking back, I can see it so clearly how my career shifted to a sustainable place when I realized that the way I approached it and the mindset that I had about it was everything. 
And when I switch into an abundance mindset, realizing that no's are absolutely normal and you just have to keep looking for the yes. A no doesn't mean that, oh my God, I'm not good enough or there's not going to be enough work or that's it, I lost my biggest client. It's like, okay, pivot. What's next? Where could be the next client? And this is what I love to teach my students because I think when people are starting out, they get stuck charging very little or being too scared to ask for what they deserve because they feel like they're not good enough. And then you stay in that place for a very long time. So figuring out your self-worth and realizing that it goes beyond the hours behind the camera and the skill set and the portfolio piece that people hire you for you, I think is the biggest element to stay sustainable. If you keep loving what you do, if you keep believing in it, if you keep showing up with a certainty that you are where you need to be and you deserve to occupy that space and you, to claim it, it becomes sustainable. There's always going to be more work, especially now. I mean, every single brand and person on planet earth wants and needs photos. So we're in a very visual world at the moment. There is opportunity absolutely everywhere. Mm. Yeah, I agree with everything you say. And I think that's such an important thing that you're the way that you're framing it, because you're not saying, oh, there are so many available cameras now. Everyone has an iPhone. No one needs us anymore. You're turning it around the other way and saying that there are so many opportunities. Everyone needs photos. And I think that's really important for people to hear that the opportunities are out there. And not everyone is capable of creating photos that sell or creating images that have emotions. So yes, everyone has a phone and can take pictures, but the standard has been raised so high because that's just not good enough anymore. Anyone can do that. So you want your brand to stand out or you want the memories to last. It's not going to be a camera photo or an Instagram filter. No, definitely. Yeah. But you've made a business now helping photographers start out and get started out the right way. But how can a photographer start the right way? Because I definitely didn't do it the right way. I, I don't think most photographers do do things the right way. So how can someone do it the right way? Something that I always say to my students and that I always preach is if you want to have a photography business, you need to learn photography and you need to learn business. I think the biggest mistake people make when they get into it, and not necessarily mistake, you know, you fall in love with photography and you think, I want to make a living out of this. And that's great. But people forget that to run a business, you need to learn business. And I mean, I went to photography school 10 years ago and it was a year program and I learned darkroom and I learned lighting and I learned editing and I learned Photoshop. I learned all of the things. They did not teach me business. They didn't teach me how to create positive relationship with clients. They didn't teach me how to pitch my services. They didn't teach me how to create a price list. They didn't even teach me how to register for taxes or how to legalize a business. They didn't teach me how to follow up when a client stops responding. They didn't teach me how to negotiate when I really wanted the job and they had said no because my price was too high. They didn't teach me to find my place in the workplace and in the world. So I think that the biggest mistake people may starting out is thinking, well, I tried it and it didn't work. I must be a terrible photographer. No, you're probably a great photographer. You just don't know how to do business. So you need to focus on learning the business side to apply it. And it's not for everyone. You know, I always say that there's a compromise involved in your art when you become a professional photographer. It's not really about 
you anymore and what you love to create and how you like to shoot. Of course, that's part of it and part of the appeal, but it's really about your clients and understanding that you are providing a service and you are facilitating, you know, those final images through your eye and your creativity and your style for them. So what matters the most is what they want. And what matters the most is how they're going to use those images and if it's going to be useful for them in whatever aspect of photography you're working on. So to anyone who's wanting to start and, and feeling discouraged or feeling stressed or feeling worried, focus on learning the business side. Figure out what kind of work you want to do, what lights you up. Figure out what kind of clients would be involved in creating that kind of work. Look around and see what opportunities are there. Start building the portfolio, start building the confidence. Start doing the research and understanding what it looks like in the workforce. Like, what do people charge? What do people offer? What are the services involved? And really get an understanding of the business side alongside the creative because you can't run a photography business with just good photography. It's not enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what I always say as well. Like a lot of my followers and students, they tell me like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm good enough to charge. I'm not sure if I have what it takes. And I've never seen that it's about their photography skills. It's always their business skills because the photography, that's not where it's lacking. But yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Did you hear that the Sustainable Photography Program is open for enrollment? You get to hang out with me and other lovely photographer friends for a whole year while we build your business. This is for you if you're wanting more from your business. If you want to quit your part-time job or if you're already a full-time photographer but you want to improve things, whether that's making more money, working with clients you enjoy more, having more streamlined structures in place, or just feeling better about yourself and the work that you do. Go to ingvildkollnes.com slash sustainable to learn more and sign up now. I am curious though, because I agree that the focus should be on the clients and what they want, but I also know that most photographers are photographers because they're passionate about creating art and telling stories. And how can they balance that thing of doing their art and also make money? Because I think if you take away the creative part of it, like the thing that they most want, then they're not going to have the passion to keep doing it. So how to do the balance? So I think it starts a step before people think, right? It doesn't start when somebody hires you and now you're like, okay, I have to deliver, but how do I get creative and how do I do that? It starts before that. You want the people to hire you, to be hiring you for what you produce and what you do. So my approach to that is to always say to other photographers, create the work you want to get hired for. And it's a bit of a catch-22, right? Because you're like, well, I'm getting hired and paid to do this. So this is the work that I'm producing. So that's the work I show. But then I get hired to do that again. But that's not what I want to do. And that's kind of when you need to stop the wheel, step out and create the work that you want to get. And it doesn't matter if you're not getting paid for it. Nobody's going to look at your portfolio and go, mm, I wonder if this was a paid job. People are going to look at your portfolio and go, that image speaks to me. That's the work that I want my brand to represent, or that's how I want to remember my wedding day. So if you can create the work that you want to create to show, then that's going to make the people that are your ideal client come to you. And simply put is create a niche. And this is what I'm so passionate about telling photographers to focus on a niche if you are an everything photographer, if you're trying everything out and putting everything out there, 
you're going to get all kinds of people coming your way. Difficult, easy, this style, that style. They're going to come and show you an Instagram page or a mood board and be like, can you make this? That's not going to happen if you are known and approached because of the work that you make. So, and it's my own personal experience. I was kind of getting stuck shooting corporate events, weddings, bar mitzvahs, birthday parties. I even had a photo booth that people rent out for parties and I kept getting stuck shooting this and I couldn't pull out of it because the money was good and I kept getting recommended and I kept doing it. And I was like, ah, long goes my dream of being a travel and commercial and fashion photographer. And it changed very quickly once I put the energy into creating the work I wanted to see. I self-funded a few of my trips to, I mean, I had a lot of work from around the world from all my travels, but I really wanted to specifically have fashion, commercial, travel portfolio. So I funded a couple of trips to Mexico, to Tulum. I had a friend who was living there and I spent my time and my energy and my money on going there, reaching out to brands, putting together the kind of way that I wanted to be known for. And it didn't take that long. Once I started to create the work I wanted to be hired for, people were hiring me for that work because they were like, wow, that's beautiful. Can you do that for me? And then slowly I started getting more and more of the work that I wanted and less of the work that I didn't want. Now, niching down doesn't mean you turn work away. I was still doing weddings and events. I just wasn't posting it anywhere. Mm. I was just curating my work to show the photographer I wanted to be, you know, mm. fake it till you make it or believe it until you be it. However you want to look at that. Yeah. It sounds like you have a bit of a fearless approach where you go all in to what you want. And do you find that a lot of photographers, they're kind of conventional in the way they do marketing or create their portfolio? Like they'll just do a shoot and show that and then don't even think about the fact that that's what they're going to get more of. Like should photographers maybe take more chances and go more for what they want in business? I mean, I think we all chose to become photographers because we wanted a job that worked for us. We wanted to do something that we loved. So it's very common to get stuck doing things that you don't love and to get scared and to get into that scarcity mindset of like, well, this is the work that I got. I don't want to turn it away. I think there is a balance between taking chances and playing it safe, you know, and not risking it all. It took me years to pack my bags and move to Indonesia. It was something I always wanted to do, not specifically here. I knew I wanted to move away, but took me years to do that. I was too scared. What if it's not going to work? What if nobody hires me? What if, I mean, there's more photographers than palm trees on this island. Like what if there's too much competition? It's honestly influencer island. Every person here has a big following and is also a photographer and has their own company. And it was very intimidating, but I knew that I had to try it. Because the worst that could happen was I would end up exactly where I was before. Mm -hmm. And once I got here, I knew I had to make it work because I was not going back. I kind of have that conversation with a lot of photographers who are maybe working a full-time job and they're a little bit scared of giving it up and trying to go freelance full-time. And I always say, well, let's say you quit your job and you go full-time freelance and it doesn't work. Could you not go back to your career? And you know what the answer is always is like, oh my God, I would never go back. And I'm like, so if you would never go back, why are you staying? I think for me, I lost my mom to cancer seven years ago. It was out of nowhere. It broke my life into pieces. And 
it was a very harsh reality check that there's no certainty. There's nothing signed or secure out there that says, oh, one day you get to live the life of your dreams. Or when you make that money, you get to go on that trip. Or when you save enough, you get to quit your job. And I was like, there is nothing there that guarantees anything. All you have, and I know it sounds like a cliche, but all you have is today. All you have is what you're doing every day to get a little bit closer to that life of your dreams. And when that happened for me, I was like, I am done being complacent. I am done working jobs that don't make me happy. I'm done coming home with anxiety after a wedding because I don't want to be photographing 200 people. I am done not having work to put in my portfolio because I'm only doing the work that I'm getting paid for. It's just for me, it was like a full stop. Mm. What is the point of living a life that is not fulfilling? It's not. We got one and we don't know how long it is and we don't know how things are going to pan out. And I think Maybe the pandemic was a reality check for a lot of people as well. But it's like all these things that you think are safe and secure and real and a safety blanket, they can go away anytime. So if you have a hard look at your life and what you're doing, are you happy? Are you doing everything you always dreamed? And if you're not, then it's your job to go change it. And you can, anyone can. There's nothing special about me, you know, I'm not the best photographer in the world. I'm not even the best business person in the world. I'm not the like most daring. I'm not the most anything. I'm just someone who decided that I wanted to give it a chance to live the life that I wanted to live. And now I am. And I'm like, okay, it was hard. It wasn't that hard and it wasn't impossible. Yeah. I agree with what you're saying. And again, I feel like we have so much in common. My mom died last year, suddenly of a heart wow. attack. So, oh, I'm so and sorry. I feel the same way that you do. Like, it sounds like such a cliche when you say like, life is short, you only have one life, but it's so true. It makes you rethink everything. So I took time away from work. I just went traveling for a few months and just decided you have to live the life that you want now because you actually you have no idea what's going to happen and it's just really interesting how it changes things and how it really shapes you in a way and I think it's something that's hard to kind of pass on to someone else like oh you have to do it now because you never know but even though you can't really know until you know I think it's still important to kind of give that little nudge of do the thing, do the thing that you want to. Do the thing, yeah. And living here, it's such an international community. I mean, there's people from everywhere and everybody's story is so different. And to me, it's proof and realization that it doesn't matter what you want. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what you like. It doesn't matter where you want to live. Everything is possible. Once you figure out the goal, you just figure out the steps to get there. Once I knew that Bali was the place I wanted to call home, that was it. I had to figure out, okay, how do I get work permit? How do I find clients? How do I rebuild my portfolio for clients there? How do I approach people there? How do I network? For me, it was starting not from zero, of course, because I had years experience and a big portfolio, but to me, any business is build on networking and, and connections and, and the human elements. So I was like, I have to start over again from zero. And, you know, everybody told me when I moved here, oh, it's going to be very hard. There's so many photographers. The pricing is very competitive because people don't charge that much and everyone wants to build portfolio. And there's a lot of people that come through 
for a couple of months and want to ship stuff. And then they'll give away their time and work for free. And from the beginning, I always said, I'm like, I'm not worried. No one is me. No one offers what I have to offer. And sure enough, since I moved here, I've always had steady work. I've always worked with people that were willing to pay my prices, even if I was three times the price of someone else, because they wanted me and that was it. And I don't need everyone to want me. I need the right people that I want to want me. And then that's it. Yeah, and once you realize that, that you just, yeah, you just need a couple of people to say, yes, that's it. That's where, you know, I keep going back to this like abundance and scarcity mindset. When you're focusing on what others are getting and you're not, when you're focusing on what others are doing and you're not, that's scarcity. When you're focusing on the possibilities and how many people are out there that could book you, all of a sudden they start appearing everywhere. It's insane. Yeah. I'm laughing a little bit because you're saying pretty much word by word what, what I always say. Like. I love that. <laughs> so to our listeners, if two of us are saying this, it must be true. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely We true. know something. <laughs> yeah, we know something. The Sustainable Photography Program is basically everything you're hearing about in the podcast and so much more just put into system, making it easy for you to learn, to grow and to improve and build your business in a way that's easy. And I know that you want to photograph things. I know that you want to create your art and that's what you should keep focusing on, which is why you can learn to do all the other stuff in an easy way so you don't have to waste too much time on it. And instead, just focus on what you do best and have all the other things working for you where you'll be spending so much less time on it than you do now. So sign up, doors close soon. So go to ingvillekornes.com slash sustainable. Do you have any specific suggestions of what a photographer needs to have in place to be successful? Uh, mindset is of course really, really important, but if you have any specific things, any steps that they should take, anything concrete, I mean, I always go back to, I'm a very structured uh, person and I always go back to this idea that if you have the right elements in place, then things will come. So it's like, think of it as like a flower or a plant or a tree. If you planted a really small pot, it's only going to grow to the limitations of that pot. If you plant it outside in a garden and it can grow as far and wide as it can, then the possibilities are endless. So I think photographers need to set themselves up professionally as a business to be able to grow to that level. So just off the top of mind, yes, mindset is a big one. Paying your dues and giving back to the community and building portfolio and networking, like really becoming that person that people know as the photographer is how work will come. But when the work comes, you need to have a clear price list. You need to have a contract in place. You need to know what your client journey is. How do you go from booking to holding a deposit, to sending a contract and an invoice? You're the authority. They're hiring you and they're trusting you to be the person who guides them. So you need to understand what the process looks like and you need to have those things in place and you need to push them to the next step. So if you are stuck with a client who won't respond, you can't be worrying about, oh, I don't know if I'm good enough to do the shoot or what if they're going to want to do this or that. It's like your only concern right now is the next step on the journey, which is get them to say yes. 
And once they say yes, and they go, yes, we want to work with you, you need to know what your next step is. And the way I like to approach this is the very first thing you want from any client who says, yes, I want to work with you is a contract and a deposit. And then you don't move further from that until you have that. Once you have that, you have a contract, you have the deposit, you can move ahead. Then the shoot happens. Then you send selects or edits, depending on what kind of work you're doing. You receive the remaining of the money before you hand in any final images. This is such a big one, which again, I never realized how important this was because to me it was such an obvious one. And one of my students brought that up to me. She said, the very first shoot I did, I gave them the photos and then I didn't know when I was getting paid, how much I was getting paid, whether I should ask for the money or not. And I was like, these conversations need to happen before you're on set. You should never get into a shoot without knowing exactly what you're getting paid and without knowing that you're going to get paid before you hand in your images. And a lot of people get uncomfortable about talking about money or asking for a deposit or wanting to get paid or quoting. So owning up to the fact that you are a business, to the fact that you deserve to get paid for your work, to the fact that you are worth the price tag. And often it just takes one, two or three clients for that process to go well, for you to go, oh my God, yes, you know, mm -hmm. I am worth this money. People will pay a deposit. They will sign a contract. It is not scary. It is not crazy. It doesn't take much for you to build that confidence, but you have to believe it before it really happens for you to get that first step of asking for what you should if you were a professional business. So behave like a business even before you feel like you're ready to fill those shoes. Because if you, like I said, if you set up the space and the garden and the watering and everything, all the elements are ready to allow you to grow, then you will reach your full potential. If you stay small, if you don't ask for enough money, if you're too scared to get a deposit, if you hand over more images that you should because you didn't tell them how many were included, all of these little things that don't seem like a big deal end up putting you in a place where you can't grow because you start diminishing your worth and your value and your work. So do the work to put yourself in a place where you are becoming the business that you want to be. You behave like the business person that you want to be. It's going to take that first one that feels really scary and you're going to feel like an imposter and you're going to just have to say, I'm having imposter syndrome. I feel like I'm lying. I feel like I am taking a spot that is not mine. I am going to do it anyway. What's the worst that can happen? You know, and that's something that I always ask my students. What's the worst that can happen? What if you take terrible photos? What if you're not happy with the work? And then once you start going through the process, you realize that it's not that big of a deal. There's always things you can put in place to prevent the worst case scenario. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good point. Absolutely. So it does kind of sound like we started out pretty similarly. You said you charged $150 for your first job. I charged £150 because I was living in the UK. And I talk a lot about the mistakes I've made because I've made so many. Like there was just mistake after mistake. Do you have any mistakes that you can share from when you were starting out? Because I think mistakes, they're such a great way to learn from. I mean, so many, you know, when I talk about handing over images before getting fully paid, I did that and I got burned. <laughs> That's how I learned that you don't do that. When I had to hand over more images than I promised because I didn't put that in the contract. When I showed up to an event and there was another photographer that I had to fight for the space and time, mm -hmm. I learned to put that on my contract. 
I made so many mistakes. Oh my God, I can't even count them. But I think the biggest mistake to ever make is to not give yourself a chance and to not try. I've never had like a mistake like, you know, my camera broke or I lost my memory card or I couldn't deliver images. But that's because I'm very obsessive and I'm always like, what is the worst thing that could happen and how can I avoid it? But I think just, yeah, like being afraid of asking your worth is a huge mistake. And I had one client that I loved and I had for years and I was undercharging them for the last two years that we were working together because I was too scared of raising my rates because I didn't want to lose them. I love the job, but I was charging them my old rates for a full day, even though I was shooting 10 hours instead of eight mm -hmm. and handing over more images. And I think I waited two years to send that email and be like, I need to adjust the rates. I need to charge you more per hour. And I need to add the extra two hours that we always shoot. And I sent that email and I sat there in fear for exactly 90 seconds until they responded back and being like, of course, we'll pay your rate. We'll start right away. Thank you for letting us know. We love working with you. And I was like, <laughs> holy shit, mm. you know, part of my language. But then I had this realization that the makeup artist and the model and the venue and the clients, everybody raised their rates. Mm -hmm. I mean, this was an advertising agency that worked for a client. They were probably getting paid more. Every year they were raising their rates. And I was so scared that I didn't deserve it, that if I raised, the only reason they were working for me, it's because I was cheap, that if I raised my rates, I was going to lose them. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, I missed out on two years of raising my rates and getting paid my worth. And of course, I would show up to the shoot tired or I would leave kind of pissed off because I yeah. worked so hard and I don't even get paid enough. And meanwhile, I never gave them a chance. So that is and a lesson I'm charging enough. I also had another big one like that where I took a job that I didn't want to do for a lower pay grade because they were insistent. And I was like, oh, I have nothing else going on. Fine, I'll do it. Sign a contract, got a deposit. I mean, it was an event going like happening six months down the line. And about a month or two before that event happened, I got a call to do a shoot in Greece, all expenses paid. It was a dream job and I had to turn it down because I had committed to a client and I've taken a deposit. And that's when I was like, I am never again agreeing to a job for less money than I'm worth because I will never ever want to be in a situation where I'm passing off or turning down a job and not make, like, it was just awful. I could be in Greece right now. And instead I'm doing this shoot that I don't like and I'm not getting paid enough. And that was nobody's fault but mine. Mm -hmm. I should have asked for my full worth and then I would have been happy to be there. Well, I'm getting paid really well. This is my job. I'm happy to be here. All good. But when the combination of not getting paid enough and doing jobs that you don't want keeps you from doing what you really love, that's when you go, mm, that was a big, big, big lesson for me. Yeah. I think that's so recognizable for so many. And that feeling like our clients are going to begrudge us if we charge what we should. I think that's such a made up thing because if you think about the way you are when you actually buy things, it's not like you pay for something and then you're angry and annoyed how much it costs. You're like, oh, okay, that's what it costs. Thank you. I really want this thing. So I'm going to pay for it. And if you don't really want it, then you don't want those clients anyway. The clients that are like, I can't believe it's going to cost. The, one of the biggest lessons I learned in this 12 years of being a photographer is that higher paying clients will treat you better. Lower paying clients will treat you worse. And I know it sounds insane and it doesn't make sense, 
but it does. A client that bargains with you, that wants to pay you less, is a client that doesn't see your worth and wants to get the most out of it. And it's already feeling like you're charging more than you should. A client that pays your full price is a happy client because they have decided that you are worth that. And humans like to be right. So if they decided that you're worth that money and they paid it, they're like going to see you in that light. Wow, this was amazing. Worth the money. Best decision I've ever made. And there's a lot of psychology behind that. But the immediate true fact of that is that you're not doing anyone a favor by charging less or sticking to cheap clients. Cheap clients will behave like cheap clients, period. Yeah. And that's often just the first step, the first sign. The first step is just that they are asking for a lower rate or that they say that they will pay this, which is a lot less than what you're asking or whatever it is. That's the first sign. And then more will come from that. I think that's the case every single time I've had that happen to me. Every single time. And the thing is, if you know your worth and if your mindset is in check, and if you know what you should be charging, and if you really truly believe your worth, when a client tries to bargain with you, you just say no, knowing that there will be more clients that will pay your price. And I know at the beginning, this is hard because you don't have proof that they're out there, but I'm telling you, they are out there. Yeah. The no becomes easier. Yeah, exactly. And just not taking that no as a sign that you're charging too much or that you're not good enough. Just realizing that, okay, that wasn't the client for me. Just realizing that is not a reflection of you or your work or your worth. It is just a coincidental time and place where somebody who, for whatever reason, thinks what you offer should be worth this and you that you know better because you know the worth of what you offer. So that's where like the trusting and the knowing comes from, right? Mm -hmm. You need to believe your worth and what you charge regardless of the outside and and the experiences with your clients. And Mm -hmm. if you can do that, And you can say no to clients that are like, oh, that's too expensive. And you can say no problem next time. Or, you know, it's okay if you want to negotiate. Like I'm not, I'm all about that, but you need to know your worth and you need to know your limit and you need to know what you want to charge. So when somebody says, can you do it for less? You can go, actually, no, this is the price. And they go, okay, you're right. Or in my head, that's not what it is. And that's fine. I mean, we do this all the time. I do it when I go to the supermarket. I have a preconception of what something should cost. And any other experience buying anything, I have a preconception of what this should cost. And then I go to the supermarket and it's too expensive. So then I go to a different one and buy the cheaper one. Turns out the cheaper one didn't taste as good or it wasn't great. Then now I know that mm, it's not worth that. It's actually worth that. Or I go shop somewhere else and it's cheaper and I'm happy with that. Or I realize that because I'm in a different country and the food supply chain is different. I now know that actually I went to all of the other supermarkets and they all charge the same. So that wasn't expensive. That was my misconception, but that's their journey. That's not your journey. I don't go to the supermarket and go, this should be cheaper. And the supermarket goes, actually, you know, you're right. Just have it for whatever price you thought you should pay for it. So when you realize that you're the authority and you say, if that photographer charges that, that's for them to decide it. If that's how much you want to pay for the service, that's for you to decide. This is me. This is what I charge. This is what I do. And this is what I offer. I would love to do this with you. But if that's not a line, then that's okay. No hard feelings. You're not wrong. I'm not wrong. We are simply not a line. And that's it. 
But I think at the beginning, it's hard for photographers to realize that they know better than a client that's saying, I don't want to pay that. I think so too. I also think it's easier if you start out the right way. Like as soon as you start as a photographer, you set up your business the right way, you charge the right way, you get things right. But that's not really the case for most photographers. They start out kind of unaligned, like things don't always go according to plan. But is there something that they can do to rectify if they see like, oh, I started the wrong way. I say yes to too many people. I charge too little. How can they fix that? I think there's always the now, right? You can look back and learn from your mistakes and then immediately adjust. So if you come home from a shoot and you go, that client was terrible. I did not get paid enough. I can't believe I gave them so many photos. Take a moment to reflect on that. Sit down and think, what about it was not aligned for me? Well, I ended up doing a lot more post-production than I thought. So it was so many more hours because I didn't know how to say no to give him that many photos. Uh Aha, there's your key. What are you going to do next time? On that first email, you say, this photo shoot includes X amount of photos, period. Or again, if you're like, oh my God, I went to a shoot and it ended up being all day and I'm tired and I'm hungry and I didn't get paid enough. Now you know that you have to set a time limit to what you offer. So of course you can do the trial and error like both of you and I did and and learning those things the hard way when you get to a point where you're like, this is not sustainable, I can keep doing this. Or you can go out and set out to learn from other mentors, from people that have been around the industry and have been doing it longer. And I think the most valuable part of a mentorship and working with someone that is coaching you and helping you and supporting you and has been in the industry is that they know better. And you might think, you know, but you don't know and you don't trust your decision. They're there to buck you up and go, "Uh uh-uh, you say no to that, but nothing. You say no to that. And this is how we're going to phrase it. And this is why. And then I just find that for my students, that's the biggest thing they get out of any mentorship program is having somebody on their team to support them and say, you're allowed to say no, and you're allowed to ask more. And I've seen that moment where people are, I got asked to do the shoot is way beyond my skills. I really want it, but I'm too scared. I can't take it or I can't ask for money for it. And having somebody to tell you, you are ready to do this. What are you scared of? Well, I had one student last year who got asked to shoot a wedding and she was like, I can't believe it. It will be my first wedding, but I can't take it. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, well, I've never shot a wedding. And I'm like, well, you got to start somewhere. She was like, well, what if the light is too dark? And I'm like, do you know the church? She's like, actually, two of my friends are getting married at that church in a couple of weeks. So you can come and you can bring your camera and you can test the light. Well, what if the camera breaks? You can rent a camera and have two. You can hire a second shooter. And then every what if that she was going through, I was like this and that. And we got to the point where she was like, I have to do this, don't I? And I'm like, yes, you do. (laughs) And it was amazing. Otherwise, she would have let that pass her because she was too scared to say yes. She was too afraid of not being ready. And of course, it went well. And and the couple was happy and she was happy and everything went fine. But it's those moments where you really need a cheerleader. And that could also be a fellow photographer, you know, a friend, somebody who's starting out as well. It's just, this is why for me, the power of community is so important. You need people around you to cheer you on and, and help you say yes when you want to say no. Definitely. You do. You do. You can't do this alone. 
Or it's it's so be, hard. Yeah, it's going to be a little harder. It's going to take longer. And I always say, like, you can do it alone. It's just going to be harder and it's going to take longer and it's going to cost you money. So you want to do it alone, go at it alone. But just know that whether it's investing in a coaching program or whether it's talking to people in the industry and reaching out for support or creating your own community, it will speed up the process for you. It's not that you can't do it without. It's just that with it, you will get to where you're going faster and you will avoid the burnout and the fear and the hard lessons that you get from making mistakes that could maybe put you down for months. You know, sometimes you make a mistake that you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm too scared. What if I make the same mistake again or nobody's going to want to work with me? Doing it alone has that high risk of not having the support network to kind of carry you through. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So. What can you recommend someone to do if they want to build a sustainable business? Like right now, I want to take the first step and my business is going to be sustainable. Figure out your niche, mm-hmm. niche down. That mm-hmm. is the first step. I'm not saying you're not going to be able to do the work, other work. You're allowed to do everything. You know, people always tell me, oh, but I like so many things. Do it all. Pick your niche and your niche is going to be the key to your marketing. Once you know who you are talking to, who your ideal client is, who you want to work for, you speak to them and only them. You create a portfolio for them. You use a language that resonates with them. You post on social media in a way that lands with them, you know, whether it's Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn, depending on who your niche is. But define your niche, define your niche, figure out what kind of work you want to do. And then everything else will follow. Like I always say, define the goal and then the steps come. Mm, I think that's very true. So Sam, where can the listener go to keep learning from you? I would say the best place to keep in touch would be my Instagram. I'm there daily and I love to chat and answer questions on DMs. So my Instagram is at samcat, that's S-A-M-K-A-T. You can find me there. You can also go to my website from there, get on my email list. I like to send weekly emails and give information. I have a blog, I have a lot of programs, but Instagram is an easy place to connect. Mm. Do you want to say something about your program as well? Yeah, sure. I have a program called the Photographer Business Framework. It's a 12-module online program that you can do self-paced. It's All of the modules are videos. They're pre-recorded, they're presentations, and you're going to learn basically everything we talked about today. I take you through every single step and every single thing you need to understand to learn to become a professional photographer. So we start right off with a mindset and basic technical skills, building portfolio, developing your niche, creating a marketing strategy, developing sustainable pricing, building a website, social media strategy, creating the client journey, understanding how to deliver images, all of the documents and and business setup things all the way to editing and delivering and handling images and handling clients and handling sales. So if anyone is looking for that kind of support, then yeah, that's the one. Perfect. Thank you so much for doing this talk with me, Sam. Thank you so much. This was awesome. So nice to meet you. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Sustainable Photography. Head over to Instagram at Ingvild Kolnes to tell me what you want future episodes to be all about. Check out the show notes over at ingvildkolnes.com slash podcast. You can learn more about the Sustainable Photography Program and sign up for the waitlist there. 
To get more of this content, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Your support makes all the difference. Talk soon.